1: Jordan, how's it going, man? Good, Mike. How are you? Quite the win. I am
0: feeling better than I was, you know, four hours ago. So the Toronto Raptors come away with a pretty easy victory. Uh, The lead at one point got up to 34. It finishes at 29, if I can do math correctly. So it was overall a good win. Um, Let's just kind of go through the quick game rundown. The Raptors start on fire. They score the first, uh, I believe, six or first 12 points of the game get out to a commanding lead what's kind of your overall takeaway after that start
1: yeah i mean i i actually took note of when Kawhi checked out which i think was around two minutes left to go in the first quarter and the raptors were up 11 and i wanted to see kind of how they uh, how they went from there and they ended up finishing the first half uh, up 12 um so you know kind of what you said earlier uh, they they stormed out stormed out in front and then you know uh, really really never let Orlando get close I mean the Magic never led uh, once in the game and uh, uh, I can't remember uh, I can't remember how close they got I think there was one point early in the second where they might have cut it to six and then Surge hit a three to, to put it back up to nine and then from there uh, you know it, uh, it you know the rest is history as they say
0: in the first half there was a lot of foul trouble for the Raptors uh, some real critical guys Marcus all picked up two, Kawhi Leonard picked up three, and that was something that Nurse had to deal with in the first half. And, you know, his rotations kind of got a lot of criticism, I think fair criticism after game one. This was a little bit tougher of a deal trying to deal with, you know, guys in foul trouble while still trying to put out a reputable lineup consistently on the night.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I I uh I loved uh I love the decision to kind of stick with Kawhi, uh, even when he picked up his third. I mean, as as you and I both know, I mean, when I, when a player of Kawhi's uh, kind of stature um, or standing within the league, however you want to say it, picks up a third foul, is in foul trouble, uh, he's gotta, you know, you gotta bank on the fact that he's got to do something pretty stupid to pick up a fourth, uh, and you know, you put trust in your star to not do that.
0: Kawhi Leonard Ted a pretty. The uh, low foul rate throughout his career, so that's something where you have to trust in your guy. And Nick Nurse did that pretty wisely, in my opinion. Toronto kind of overcomes that foul trouble during the third quarter and has that huge breakaway run. And during that time, Kawhi Leonard looks absolutely dominant, looks like everything you traded for. Um, what was your kind of your overall takeaway from the pull away second half?
1: Well, that's actually kind of you know when I was when I was trying to come up with a key moment, you know, for the game. Uh, obviously, it's a uh, it, you know, uh, it's, it's a difficult, not a difficult exercise, but an interesting exercise to do that in a game kind of like this where it felt like it was over pretty early. Um, but you know, uh, to your point, uh, you know, the, the key moment in this game was Toronto's, uh, third quarter. I mean, they just absolutely pulled away, obviously led by Kawhi, who I think had what 17 or did he get to 20, uh, in, in the quarter? I mean, he was just phenomenal. Um, so, you know, that, that's, we we got We got a glimpse of you know what Toronto can do to Orlando when they're firing on all cylinders uh, and and that's kind of what what most people were expecting to see in game one and didn't see it got a little nervous and fortunately uh game two kind of you know showed Raptor fans and showed the Raptors as a team that hey when we play well, this is what we can do
0: sure and and to me, kind of that key moment of the game was when you saw Toronto get off to that hot start because that was so critical and of course Lowry getting going in the first quarter was a big part of that after that zero point performance it would be easy kind of to come out tight and come out not ready to play but Toronto getting out to a commanding lead I think set the tone for this entire game
1: totally I mean totally uh you know if they had if they had come out flat and you know Orlando would scored the first 10 points uh you know, the crowd would have been a little different or a lot different, I should say, and, you know, you never know kind of what what the game takes on from there, but uh, the fact that Toronto was able to pounce on them early definitely kind of set the tone, and uh, uh, and you know, as a result, uh, they were able to run away with a convincing win. So what
0: are your three biggest takeaways? I guess, I'll, let's start with takeaway one.
1: Um. Well, uh, you know, I, I think uh, the two most important players for Toronto uh, most nights are going to be you know, Kawhi and Kyle, obviously with the uh, Pascal there as well. But I think uh, you know Kawhi's dominance, coupled with uh, Lowry's bounce back game, was was a huge takeaway. Um, that would be that would be my first one, uh, yeah. if, if that's that's how you want to do it.
0: Yeah. So yeah, we'll go kind of alternating here. One point on that: Kyle Lowry attempted one two point field goal attempt in game one. He attempted nine in this game. I don't think it's any accident that had a big reason to do with his resurgence. The Raptors are a lot better, in my opinion, when Kyle Lowry is kind of on the more aggressive side looking for his own shot. He's always going to get others involved, and obviously he's a great playmaker for this team, setting the table for others. But for them to reach kind of their peak offensively, I think he needs to be more aggressive looking for a shot, and he was doing that tonight.
1: hundred percent. I mean, you know, I'm just looking here. I mean, you know, he led the team in minutes, played 38 minutes.
0: That's another thing. That's one of my biggest takeaways. So Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry played the same amount of minutes and actually a little bit more for Kyle Lowry in a blowout win versus Magic. Nurse decided to lean more on his starters despite foul trouble, despite being up in this one much more than they were in game one, decided to lean on his starters much more, and I think that was the right decision. Rather than kind of flipping back and forth like he was in the last game, only giving Kawhi 33 minutes, and Kyle also had a low minute total, I thought that tonight's rotations fit much more in line with what the Raptors should be doing moving forward in this series.
1: I, I, I totally agree. I mean, you know, that kind of, that kind of segues nicely into my second takeaway, which, which isn't, um, uh, as positive as my other two. Uh, and it has to do with kind of the backcourt struggles. And I think part of the reason why you saw so much Lowry tonight was because, you know, Norm's still struggling. Uh, I, I don't, I'm, I don't think he, oh, no, he hit one three tonight. He went one for six. Um, but, you know, he's still struggling a little bit. Uh, Fred's iffy. Uh, Danny didn't have a good game tonight. You know, I mean, uh, apart from Lowry, the backcourt really wasn't, uh, really didn't do much tonight. So uh, they're going to need more from them uh, in games three, four, and, and so on.
0: Yeah, that's a weird one. Orlando doesn't have a particularly good defensive backcourt. Michael Carter-Williams is the backup point guard. Is pretty solid, but it's. <laughs> But it's not, I mean, he's good defensively, but it's not like Kevin Fournier and DJ Augustine are locking cats down. So their struggles have been weird. Danny Green's kind of insistence on whenever he gets switched on to DJ Augustine to try to demand the ball in the post is weird. I understand he's a pretty good post scorer on smaller guards, but I just don't know if I need to see Danny Green posting up several times in a playoff series.
1: Well, and he hasn't, I mean, as much as, as much as he's looked comfortable in the past, um, he, uh, there were a few times where he had the ball in the post tonight against, uh, against Augustine. And he just, I don't know, he, he wasn't, he wasn't decisive in his decision making. And I think when, uh, when, when he, he kind of stands there for a while and kind of kills everything, um, the, the result isn't as favorable as, you know, when, uh, you know when he gets the ball in the post and is quick and something. I always just say that with with uh, Valanchunas when he was with us. You know when JV was decisive in the post, uh, he tend to have uh, he tend to have uh, better outcomes. And I think that's the same with Green. So maybe he's just got to be a little bit more uh, decisive in there. But uh, I also think he just has to hit uh, he has to knock down some threes, right? He was zero for three tonight.
0: Yeah. Um. One thing I also noticed, and this is a takeaway for me, is kind of just the Raptors overpassing the ball a bit. It seems like they had quite a few good looks where they're just try. they trying to pass it up for an even better look, which is obviously good. You want your team being unselfish. But I thought they took it too far in the other way. And you see Orlando's really long, and the rotations are really, uh, really crisp. And when you continue to rotate the ball like that, sometimes you're passing up good shots for a contested shot. So I would like to see the Raptors be a little bit more aggressive, particularly your better shooters, Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, when they first kind of get maybe the second pass, you don't need to rotate it for a third and instead just kind of let it fly.
1: Well, no, I, I agree. And you can see kind of Orlando was, was picking up on that and they would, you know, they would be jumping into passing lanes. I remember at one point it, 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 it wasn't, uh, it wasn't off a huge sequence, but it was off a, a high pick and roll with, with Lowry and Gasol. And Augustine sniffed it right out. I mean, you can see, uh, Orlando has definitely picked up on some of the Raptors tendencies and, And they definitely uh, are aware of the Raptors' unselfishness and are trying to kind of take advantage of that at times. So I agree. At some point, you know, someone has to shoot the ball uh, because they are passing up some really good looks. Yeah,
0: I totally agree. But my second overall takeaway for the team is the turnover margin. The Raptors turned the ball over just seven times tonight. The Orlando Magic turned it over 17. Um, Toronto's already a more gifted offensive team. They're going to shoot the ball Better on most nights when they win the turnover advantage, seventeen to seven, it's pretty much a wrap.
1: Yeah, no, I had uh, I had the turnovers too as a big one. They had to win that, and uh, and they did that. My uh, my final one is, uh, is just their. Uh, I actually touched on it in uh, in the piece I wrote. Uh, this that was I think it went out this morning, but uh, was just their sustained defense. I mean, they played defense from you know the opening tip till the final buzzer. You know, I mean, holding Orlando to, to 37% from the field, 28% from three. Uh, you know, part of that was, you know, Orlando just struggling on their own. But, uh, you know, the, the other part was was impacted by, by Toronto's defense, which was uh, uh, way better tonight than it was on Saturday. Really they active, were still, they really were active still mind- tonight? Uh, yeah.
0: I saw the doubling of Vujovic has really thrown him off. He's been really awful in these two games here. I think that's not a coincidence. Toronto's been aggressive about doubling him early and often. If it wasn't for an Aaron Gordon, a really nice performance out of him, it could have been really ugly for the Magic offensively.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, apart from Gordon, there really wasn't a lot going on uh, on Orlando's side.
0: So my third and final takeaway here is the Toronto Raptors just refusing to guard Jonathan Isaac. It got really bad in the end of this one. He had that air ball three, which looked ugly. He finishes the night one of eight from the field, 0 of six from three. And Toronto just is straight up not guarding him. Ka- uh, Kawhi Leonard many times is matching up with him and then just roaming the court like a free safety would in, in the NFL. It's really getting hard to watch for the Magic, and I wonder if they're going to be able to continue to play him heavy minutes. I know his defensive impact is great, but if you just are getting kind of left alone like that, then it's tough to keep you out on the floor.
1: Well, kind of feels a little bit like, you know, Pascal Siakam before Siakam could, you know, knock down a, a jumper consistently. There'd just be teams that, you know, you just, you leave them because you're going, shoot, like, we'll live with your shot. It was I was I watched tonight's game with my brother who doesn't watch a ton of basketball. But um, uh, he actually asked me at one point, he says, why do you keep yelling for the one guy to shoot? I said, because he can't make anything. Uh, and that, that was Isaac tonight. I mean, he was just all over the map, couldn't make anything. And, I mean, yeah, if, if I'm if I'm Toronto and he's on the floor, uh, I'm, I'm you know, planning my defense accordingly and, and just going, hey, when the ball ends up in his hands, have at it. Because uh, I, I don't think he's a talented enough shooter to... Uh, <laughs> to make enough. I think he's going to miss way more than he makes.
0: Yeah, I totally agree and there's some ways that Orlando can counter using Isaac as a screener, kind of being creative with backdoor cuts and things with him. However, at some level if you can't shoot or more importantly if you just can't score, they're not going to guard you. So I wonder if the Magic kind of shy away from him. Terrence Ross played 27 minutes. I can't imagine him getting any higher than that. So I don't know where the minutes go if you're the Magic and you're trying to get Isaac off the floor, but they might have to find someone to replace him
1: for game three. I would agree. Did quick little point on T Ross. Was there any point in the, uh, was it the second quarter where he got a little hot that you were just, uh, I know at one point I just looked at the team and I said, if this is the guy that beats us tonight, uh, I actually think I said out loud, I'm not watching basketball anymore. <laughs> uh, when he hit the
0: one where Fred Van Vliet was yeah. basically sharing his jersey, yes. he hit that one, I was like, oh my goodness.
1: I'm like, yeah, I I think I something along the line. I probably can't repeat what I said. But it <laughs> yeah. was, yeah, it was just like, no, no, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> and uh, it didn't. And it uh, didn't, which was.
0: So who's your MVP for Toronto in this one?
1: That's a pretty easy question. I mean, I, I, it's, I, for me, it's Kawhi Leonard with a little honorable mention for, for Kyle Lowry, because obviously he was, you know, facing immense pressure after his game one performance. He played well, but, uh, you know, uh, there, there was nobody better than Kawhi Leonard on the floor tonight. Yeah, they,
0: yeah, I totally agree. It's it's hard to go against a guy who scored 37 points on nearly 70% shooting, including 50% from three. He was absolutely fantastic in every regard. He was pretty good defensively as well, Uh and like you said, Kyle Lowry deserves a shout-out, 22 points on greater than 60% shooting. And really, just the extra aggression that he had in him tonight, I'd like to see moving forward again. I think the Raptors are better when he kind of is in attack mode rather than trying to set others up. Uh, and an interesting thing, just from a Raptors perspective, is that basically it was four players scoring the majority of their points when the game mattered. Kawhi scored 37, Pascal 19, Kyle Lowry 22, uh, Serge 13, Gasol 9. Other than that, pretty much all the other points came in jump time. Uh, yeah. So you're going to have to get a more balanced production night if you're the Raptors moving forward. However, it's hard to be too upset when you blow the team out by 30.
1: I mean, you know, just kind of looking at the box score, you know, I think you're, you're banking on, you know, Danny giving you more than zero. Um, you know, Ibaka settling in at thirteen is nice. I think Fred and uh, you know Fred and Norm uh, combining for seven points, but you know obviously have to be higher than that. The one thing that I'll say about Gasol because I know some people, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe get caught up in his number. I love how he he just is a you know a calming influence to the offense. Do you not find that when he's on the floor? I just find when the ball's in his hands, it's just it there's there's a calmness to the Raptors offense that, uh, you know, obviously wasn't, or I didn't find was was there uh, when, you know, Gasol wasn't with them. Uh, he just, I don't know, there's, some, there's something about him that uh, that I quite enjoy. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that.
0: Well, yeah, Serge, uh, I thought Serge actually, I saw him getting dunked down a well. little bit. I thought he played well. Yeah, defensively he made a real big impact, and defensively I think he actually can hold his own versus booch if you're going to continuously double like that. I think that he can match up, but you're right, with Gasol on the floor, it just seems like the Raptors kind of have a better decision maker offensively, and I thought that he played really well tonight, and like you said, he's a calming influence, and just a really good distributor out of that center spot, and someone to hit if they do decide to blitz the pick and roll, uh, the Kawhi Leonard-Marcus all pick and roll was pretty effective tonight, oh. and I just, his decision making kind of settles everything down for Toronto.
1: Well, and I mean, you look, you know, from the center position, you get 22 points. What am I at? 22 points, 11 rebounds, five assists. I mean, Marc Gasol had four steals. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm literally looking at the numbers right yeah, now. Yeah, no,
0: he got a, he got quite a few steals, especially on when they switched onto Vucevic and Marc Gasol came. His hands were really active in the passing lanes, kind of coming over as the help defender there. He got, I yeah. believe, three of his four steals that way, so...
1: He's, He's got really, got really active hands. Yeah, He's got he does. Really active hands, very active hands.
0: What did you think of Meeks's I mean, minutes? Just kind of as a sidebar, <laughs> he I he didn't make shots tonight, but I still feel I'd rather have Jody Meeks in the game than I would a, a and Gasol combination.
1: Um, you know, I, I I think I think the Gasol Abaka combination will be you know matchup driven. Uh, I, I think they'll they'll see time together i know nurse kind of did that towards the end of the season to get an idea of what it what it could be like and again i think gasol's kind of flexibility and his ability as a passer uh kind of allows him to to share the floor with abaca whereas you know maybe a guy like balanchunas couldn't um but no i thought meeks i thought meeks played well i mean he you know he saw the floor for eight minutes didn't score but he's you know he uh I'm, I'm trying to think of what kind of cliche descriptor to come up with him, uh, but but he's he doesn't get caught out of position. He plays good defense. He takes good shots. He makes you know good decisions. Um, you know, I got I got no issues with Jody Meeks, uh, you know, filling in that you know six to ten minute gap uh, that you typically need from you know some some deeper bench person over the course of a game. I thought he did well.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think he's someone. That you try to sneak some first half minutes in and then you might not play him in the second half depending how close it is. But he's just someone that you hide out onto the floor for six minutes a game and he's not going to kill you. And he spaces the floor a bit and just, you know, again, does nothing special for you, but just eats a couple minutes in a spot where you need him to. So Totally. Um, so who's your least valuable player of the game for Toronto?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, this is it's a horrible segue, but I, I was just kind of looking at the numbers, and I was like, well, Jody Meeks probably qualifies as the least valuable player, but, um, uh, you know, if if I'm not going to choose him, I think I think a, a least valuable player, I'd have to split between Norm and Fred. I mean, I think both of those guys, uh, I, I don't mean to, I, I mean, both of them are, are capable of, of having breakout games, uh, but, you know, even in a win, uh, you know, neither one of them. I mean, Norm kind of continues to to struggle from three. He finished the season so strong, and he's kind of taken a while to get going. And Fred, you know, he when asked when he's asked to kind of run the offense, to initiate the offense, he can he can struggle a little bit. So I think those two guys need to maybe pick it up uh, as 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 the series shifts to Orlando. Um. Uh, so so those would be my two uh, my two least valuable players.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with Powell. He, Norman Paul is just kind of a reminder that you can say, oh, this player is playing their best basketball going into the playoffs, and sometimes it doesn't really mean anything. Um, you know, shooting streaks are so fluky, and he came in to the playoffs shooting so hot and was one of six tonight. I certainly don't think that he's incapable of kind of having a big performance the next game. and very well could break off off the bench. But until he's able to kind of hit shots, it's going to be a rough series for him. And perhaps Orlando's length and kind of athleticism around the hoop is having an impact, but he's going to be better. And Toronto really, especially with OG and Anobi out, needs his presence as a
1: wing oh, t-
0: defender totally. off the bench.
1: And I mean, you know what? It's, you know, the the, the magic being, you know, law, it's 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 only going to get difficult, more difficult from here, right? You know, so if, so if he's gonna struggle against Orlando, how's he gonna do when they, he's gotta play Philly or when he's gotta play you know any any other team? Um, so no, he the, the, they definitely need more from him. Again, it's it's kind of shadowed, um, and, and and hid by the fact that they won and they won handily tonight. But um, I, I think uh, I think if you if Nick Nurse spoke the truth, uh, and was candid, he would say that you know he's looking for more from Norm uh, and Fred.
0: The one thing I will say in regard to Norm is I thought he did a pretty good job defensively tonight. Defensively. Yeah, particularly snaking around screens. He was one of the only players on the Raptors who didn't consistently have to switch onto different guys, and he's been pretty good avoiding screens all year, and I think that that's going to be valuable as kind of this playoffs go on. And he did do well on that end of the court, but he just can't be a one-dimensional player And when he's not hitting shots and it's missing as many open looks as he did tonight. He's one dimensional, so Toronto would need better out of him. With that being said, we're two games in. I certainly think that's a possibility kind of coming up here.
1: The only thing I will say, and it just adds to your point about Norm and, you know, by extension, Kyle, is you know, as as unfortunate it is when, you know, you have a one dimensional player on a certain night, a lot of the times when guys' shots aren't falling or whatever like that, they turn into, you know, no dimensional players. So it's 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 good to see uh you know a player like who, even though his, his shot may not be falling he's still giving it to you on the defensive end because you know that's that that's not every player.
0: Yeah no um, I totally agree with that. So
1: that's that was that was good to see it it, it was good to see that uh, that he uh, he still played good defense even though his shot's still a bit shaky.
0: Yeah and and to your point about Kyle Lowry in Game One he had yeah. a charge taken in kind of the final two minutes despite going 0-7, and he's another player who, even when his shot's not falling, he consistently stays in the game and consistently kind of makes heads-up plays. So I agree with you there. It's really important for those guys, even if they're not hitting shots, to kind of lock in defensively, which they've done so far. Agreed. So so what is your biggest thought heading into Game 3? What kind of... Do the Raptors need to control for their first road game of the series?
1: Um, well, I think first and foremost, control their emotions. I mean, they're always going to be riding high from this uh, from this win. Um, and again, I think this this win showed that when they play, how everyone knows they can play. Um, with all due respect to the Magic, I, I don't think uh, I don't think they can they can stick with the Raptors. Um, So, you know, can they carry this form uh, into Orlando? Um, You know, can Lowry uh, build off this performance? Um, And uh, what I'm actually interested to see uh, most is, you know, what did the Magic do uh, to try and slow down Kawhi? Because obviously that's going to be their uh, first and foremost uh, objective uh, after tonight's performance. they got to figure out uh, who to put on them, what to throw at them because uh, they can't have them going off for thirty thirty seven 37 again. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah um, what today's game kind of brought into light to me was just, it when Toronto is locked in defensively, how dominant they can be to this yeah. Magic team. This Magic team doesn't have very many offensive options, and if they're going to stop Vooch like they have in the first two games, I'm not sure how Orlando finds points. I don't think relying on DJ Augustine to be Steph Curry every night is a particularly... You know, no. reliable game plan for them. So when Toronto really wants to lock in, like they did, I don't think 82 is an unreasonable number. I think the Magic certainly missed some shots in tonight's game. However, there was a reason the Raptors kind of forced their shots to who they went to. Like we said, Jonathan Isaac, 0 of 6 from three. He's not that poor of a shooter, but he's a poor shooter. So Toronto had a game plan of keeping the ball out of Vucevic's hands and forcing the ball into Orlando's less talented players, and that worked tonight. Obviously, Steve Clifford is a pretty smart coach. He'll find a way to counter it before the next game, but when Toronto's locked in defensively, it's going to be really hard for the Magic to break 100 points, and Toronto on most nights can. So I'm confident heading in to Game 3, but I really think tonight's defensive performance is the biggest takeaway in my mind.
1: Well, and and I also I agree, and, and I loved how they came out aggressive from the get-go. I mean, you know, we I'll speak only for myself, spend a lot of time criticizing officials and, you know, how's this a foul? How's that a foul? Everyone's heard it. Um, and, and I think what a lot of teams do, and what I've seen Toronto do is, you know, they, they pick and choose when they want to play when they want to play their best brand of defense. Whereas, you know, if you come out from the get-go and you play defense, you put that in the mind of the refs that, hey, we're gonna be physical, this is how we're gonna play. And that kind of bleeds into the rest of the game uh, and and kind of affords you the opportunity to play a certain brand of defense as opposed to coming out in the first quarter playing kind of loosey-goosey defense. And then you give the refs that kind of image. And then when you try and turn it on in the third and fourth quarter, uh, you might not have as much luck as you would have if you came out from the get-go and said, hey, this is the type of defense we're playing, you know, from minute one to minute 48. So it was good to see that they basically came out from the opening tip and and, you know, never uh, never took their foot off the gas on, on either end.
0: That's the old jazz mentality from the 90s where yeah. like, they're not going to call everything. We're just going to hack the crap out of you. And eventually the refs won't call it because they've already called three fouls. And that's a real strategy. You know, Toronto had all those fouls early. The refs start to get hesitant of making it be a one-sided contest in terms of free throws. And we saw the Clippers take... A similar approach against the Warriors. The Warriors attempted forty something free throws in a win, or in a loss. I'm sorry. So there's definitely some merit to that of be physical early, make them call everything. They're not going to call everything on you throughout the game. So I agree with that point. Will be it will be interesting to see if Toronto kind of continues this physical brand of defense, particularly in the post, and particularly on guys like Aaron Gordon and Nikola
1: Vucevic. Well, I think you definitely have to be physical with both of those guys. Um, You know, Gordon's another guy who, you know, if you can, um, you know, if you can keep to the outside, keep to the outside. We all know how, how he can jump out of the gym and dunk and, and do all that. But, uh, you know, can he be from the outside? So it's definitely going to be interesting, right? This is the playoffs. This is, you know, game of adjustments. Who's going to make the better adjustments heading into game three?
0: Any last takeaways that you wanted to get to before we wrap this up?
1: No man, this has been another good chat. Uh, I'm I'm glad we uh, I'm glad we had the opportunity to talk about uh, not only a win but like a convincing win, a win that we can kind of take a step back from the ledge and realize that uh, you know uh, the team we're cheering for is a good team, capable of bouncing back, and uh, we saw that tonight.
0: Right, yeah. It's funny, game one. If it was any other <laughs> franchise, to me, wouldn't have been that big of a deal. It wasn't something like the nugget Spurs, where it was a close back and forth affair. The man- the Magic really had a lot of factors going in on their behalf in game one. So most franchises wouldn't have been freaked out just with the Raptors history. I think that caused a lot of it. So oh, it was totally. nice to see, like you said, not just a win, but a really impressive twenty nine point blow out of the Orlando Magic.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, like you said, that that just it, it, it raises as much doubt. In the Magic's minds, as you could have possibly raised tonight, right? I mean, it, even if they, had, the Magic, had lost by two tonight, they could be going home going, "Hey, we got a split, and we darn near took two, Whereas now they're flying back home going, "Oh wow, wow, oh, these guys are very good." So you know that's 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 good to you know kind of plant that seed of doubt in a team that was kind of coming into Game Two riding a pretty pretty emotional high. I totally agree. Can't wait for Game Three. Sounds good, Mike. Say goodbye